This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Leather Supply, created by leather crafters for leather crafters, supplying premium leather tools and all your other leather working needs. Specialised in vegetable tan leather such as Buttero, Pueblo and many others, they ship internationally and are trusted in the Australian and New Zealand leather working community. Visit coastalleathersupply.com.au. Welcome to the 15th episode of the Joseph M Leather Podcast. Today I'm with Mark from Deer Dagger. Mark is from Sydney, Australia. He specialises in shell quarter van leather. He uses some of the finest shell quarter van leather from around the world. He has also made bags, a camera strap and glasses cases. His items are all handmade, quote, from the first draft to the final design, initial cut to the last stitch. Each item has its unique characteristic intertwine in the, finish, in the finishing product. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, man. Thanks for having uh, That's all good. Um, so how did you get into leather craft? Well, during the during the peak of COVID and being locked down and not having like any real anything really to do, um, I one night just went down like a, a YouTube rabbit rabbit hole sort of um, was in bed one night and um, subconsciously just I don't even know what I was looking at, but um, I ended up on Stock and Barrel and Little King Goods videos, um, especially like the Little King Good videos. There, I mean, quality wise, they're great, and I just looked at. A couple of his like ASMR videos and um, I looked at it and I was like hey that, that actually doesn't look too complicated I reckon I could do this um, and it looks fun it looks very like soothing very relaxing so um, literally the next day I went on eBay bought like a leather starting kit um, and yeah I've been on it ever since so it's been about a year ago yeah wow that's, that's amazing and like how far your skills have come as well yeah, I'm I'm sort of the the type of person that's like go hard or go home. Yeah. Like, I if 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 there's something I'm interested in, I invest like as much time as I can. Mm-hmm. It's probably not a healthy thing in like in general because it's it's not only leather crafts. It's been other hobbies in my life before that's that's been like this. Yeah. Um But yeah, it's it's fun. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm the complete opposite. Like. If when I get into a hobby, I'll just be like, okay, am I going to fall out of this hobby? Am I going to stay in this? And I'll like, I'll sort of like just invest like a little bit of money in it, put some time in it, and I'll just see how it goes. Like I can't go like all in because I actually made that mistake last year. I bought like a a piano, and I was like, yeah, I want, want oh, wow. to learn, I want to learn a piano, and uh, yeah, I've fallen out. <laughs> I want to get back into it. So I mean, that's that's a huge investment. I mean, I don't think I would do that. I would probably start with a little, little keyboard or something. Well, it was a keyboard piano. like an, uh, All right. It wasn't like a grand piano. It's just right here, actually. I got you. <laughs> um, yeah, so how did you refine your skills then? I, it's just it's just practice, just doing it and just um, watching lots of videos and YouTube and everything. Um, just trying to, to follow as many guys and as many resources as you can find. Um, I mean, there's obviously like these days, there's so much stuff out there. I know that someone like like Martin Caswell, he spoke about how it was like really hard a couple of years ago to find anything on YouTube, but now it's just like so saturated, and there's so many good crafters on there that just want to share their knowledge and um, yeah, just learning by doing really. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think that people want to sh- are so open to share their knowledge? Like, it's a it's interesting. Like, it's it's sort like- of. It's it's kind of a um, so there's this thing going around where people uh, they they don't really care. I mean it's it's 
it's sort of like a social media thing. So if you want to grow on social media these days properly, um, you can't just sell to people because they, they, they're not interested in, they're mm -hmm. interested in the process of how you make things. And, um, if, if you showcase how you like produce a wallet, how you make anything really like it doesn't have to be leather work, can be anything really. People are immediately more invested in, in what you're doing and understand or start to understand the process more and why certain things cost a certain amount of money. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just like this natural flow on effect where people are like, hey, this is actually quite rewarding if I'm able to teach someone how to do something. Um, it's, it's like a, a, a human like need or whatever you want to call it. We just like to teach people. Yeah. Yeah. I also think as well, probably, this is just my opinion, is that like we live in such like a certificate qualified society where like you need a certificate to do like anything whereas like social media it just eliminates that like i have no experience in radio and i started a podcast mm -hmm. and it's like if i yeah so it's uh with social media yeah, it just opens up the door for exactly and just give it a go like i'm from an industry where you don't necessarily need any certificates to be successful mm -hmm. um which which is which is quite good. So I'm like by trade I'm a I'm a UI UX designer or digital designer. Um and I've been doing this for almost twenty years and apart from doing like a little short apprenticeship when I was nineteen, I've never had any formal education in this in this industry and I do think I'm like doing relatively well in, in my role. Um and I think that's why I don't believe in the certificate. I mean there's obviously like industry where you probably should have a certificate or should have some sort of formal knowledge. Brain surgeon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like probably better if you have a bit of experience there and learn something, but yeah. there's so many industries where you just, just give it a go. Just learn it. Just do it. Yeah. So what does a graphic designer entail? So yeah. what sort of, uh, did you design your shirts? Um, no, actually with the, with the shirts. So I, I do most of the stuff my own. Um, but when it comes to like illustrations and like really like graphic design, that's sort of not really my forte. So with my shirts, for example, and a couple of like other graphic assets, I used a guy from the US called Buffalo Nick. Mm -hmm. um, like he he's he's really good, and like he hits he sort of like hits the 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 sort of rugged like cool rugged kind of like leather crafting market. He's got a lot of leather crafting clients, um, so he's done the t-shirts, but everything else I sort of like do myself. And then in my day-to-day -day stuff, I'm like a digital designer, like a problem solver. Um, I work for Australia's biggest insurance company. Um, so we're sort of like making sure that our customers get around the website, like building the websites, applications, making sure if you're a customer, you know how to like, I don't know, get a quote for, for new insurance and lodge a claim, those sort of things. Yeah. So it's not it's not a fancy graphic design. It's more like, yeah, how to guide people through a system. Oh, you, I know you guys have uh, made modern society very easy. Like Shopify, like the graphic design is like the yeah. fact you don't have to, you don't have to sit there and code a website all by yourself. You just buy exactly, exactly. And it's 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 actually funny. Like I would say, like five to ten years ago, when when software like this popped up, where you can where everyone could make a website, it was for a lot of designers, it was quite confronting because they were like, ah, oh, 
these systems are now taking our jobs away because mm. they enable like everybody to to create their own website. But in the end, now I'm I'm one. I'm using I'm even using one for my website. Like I use Squarespace for my website yeah. these days just because it's, it still looks good, but it's so much easier to do. Like much less time that I have to put into it. Mm-hmm. Even though I could build one from scratch if I wanted to, but this like my new website took me about a week to make. Yeah. If I would code it from scratch, it would probably be six months and would wow, just the same, you know. Yeah. So might wow. as well. Yeah, I remember like, I actually did try to learn some coding, and it's like it's crazy, like how you yeah to to do. Yeah, if like at work we've got some we've got some people that are just insane. Like I'm I'm not a coder. I'm like I know base level stuff, but mm-hmm. that's about it. But yeah, it's it's good stuff. Yeah. Um. Okay, so actually, what was the first item you make you made? Um, the very first one was a, I think it was a card holder, like straight up out of very, very cheap, very bad quality. Yeah. Um, what's it called? Like crazy horse pull up leather. Yeah. I bought, I I bought, I actually had some of that. What what even is that leather? Is that? (laughs) I I don't know, but it looked cool on the photos. And I had a pair, I I still have a pair of Doc Martens made out of crazy horse leather. So I looked leather oh that's cool i want to make a wallet out of it yeah and i bought a hide like a full hide of yeah. it on eBay. and it was like the worst leather i've ever worked with like it was so bad that i was almost like um when i worked with it i was almost saying this, this that stuff is not for me i don't want to do leather craft um i mean it's mainly because of the skills but also just the leather wasn't exciting enough to work with it and mm-hmm. all the results were just shocking and then from there, I went over to like a couple of kangaroo, um, kangaroo hides from, I don't even know where I got them from, but they were super bad and super cheap quality. Almost like, almost felt like vinyl plastic sort of situation, yeah. which put me off kangaroo leather forever. So I haven't found any kangaroo leather yet that, that I like, mm-hmm. you know, like to use, but yeah. Okay. So like, how did you educate yourself on all that then like on all that because the leather is such a huge obviously such a it is like the main part of the leather work but there's so like many different types like i I don't i don't think i've figured it out yet at all like i'm like from the beginning once i once i got over the like crazy horse and kangaroo stuff i just and I sort of like started following more and more crafters on Instagram. I just copied whatever they got. So um, especially like stuff like Pueblo, like all of a sudden everybody was using it. So it felt like <laughs> it almost felt like I had to get some Pueblo now for the next step to in, in this in this journey. So um, yeah, I bought my first first couple of panels of Pueblo, and that sort of like changed my entire view in leather craft because it's like. The difference between the leathers, the leathers I had before and the Pueblo was just worlds apart. It was so different, and it was actually fun to work with. Yeah. Um, and then it's just like, I don't know. It's just sort of like following other crafters, whatever they get, and because you want to see, the the thing I always find hard is if you if you go to a website like Rocky Mountain or whatever leather supplier, um. You look at all the leathers that they have, but you—it's hard to understand what you can, 
how it actually looks when you put it into a product. Yeah. So I like to just like go to some of the bigger crafters, have a look what they're doing. If they, I don't know, someone uses Butero, you you sort of like know what to expect when you get it when when you work with it, mm-hmm. and just taking some of whatever materials they use and then go from there. And the panels are so e- amazing as well that you can actually just buy a panel. <laughs> exactly. And like, uh... I remember someone telling me that when they started, they had to buy like full heights. And now, yeah. like this, us new generation of leather crafters, we can just go out and buy a panel. You know, mm. I'm, I'm super glad that, that we're at this point where we don't have to invest like a ton of money to buy some leather. Well, actually, um, shout out to Coastal Leather Supply because I bought some Buttero from them and they must have been listening to my podcast and they actually sent some Pueblo to me, like just like yeah, some offcuts. And I've never used Pueblo before, but just like having like just like an offcut, it just changed, like just having some, just like yeah, okay, now I can feel it. Okay, I know how it sort of, what, you know, I could use it with. It's a huge yeah. thing. It's also, it's also quite smart to do for like someone that sells leather. Like I know some of the other distributors, they, they just throw in random scraps and like label them what they are. Like I, I had a couple of times where I bought leather just because someone threw a scrap in and I was like, oh, that's nice. I'm going to get a panel. Mm-hmm. So, uh, did I ask you just the confidence to sell your items? No. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I just thought I'd, I'd give it a crack. Like if, <laughs> if there's someone out there that wants it, like I had a couple, a couple of friends and like, um, classmates ask once I started posting on Instagram, they're like, Hey, that's cool. I, I want one for myself. I'm like, are you sure? I really like, I, like in the beginning I was like, why would anyone buy anything from me? Mm-hmm. Um, but then it, it just, just happened naturally. And then, um, I just yeah started started selling on like Shopify and stuff, but um, I don't know. Just 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 do it. I don't know. I don't I don't feel like you need like there there is a market for everyone out there, and like if if there's people liking your stuff, they're gonna buy it. Like I think as as long as you don't pressure yourself and like actually trying to sell in the especially in the beginning, if if you go in with this attitude of like. I have to sell all my my things that I'm building right now so I can make money from it. That's sort of like the the wrong approach, I think. I the way I did it, I just put it up and if someone bought it cool, if no one bought it, also cool. Like I was in no I had no pressure, I was in no rush to sell anything. Um and I also gave away lots of stuff just just to people, just friends and stuff. Um I don't know. It's I never had an issue with that. I just tried. Yeah. I tried if, if it fails, it fails. Then move on. But mm-hmm. so far, it's been okay-ish. Yeah, so Sh- Shell Quarter Van. Yeah. I've never used it before. <laughs> so, you should. <laughs> so, how did you... Well, first off, how did you come across it? Again, coming coming back to what, what I said before, sort of like looking what, what the other bigger crafters are doing. Um, and then... Yeah, just just reading up on it and like, yeah, figuring or finding out that it's sort of like one of the more exclusive leathers you can get out there. Um, and I don't know, I I I don't even know who it was. I felt like, um, obviously, like your Halloween Shell Cordovan and stuff like this, especially like American leather crafters, like they they love their Halloween shells. 
Um, and I always felt like, okay, Shell Cordovan is like sort of like the pinnacle in wallet making when it comes to leather. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's now I've figured out there's also like alligator and crocodile and all this kind of stuff, which is actually much more expensive than Shell Cordovan. Um, but I always wanted to to use it because the bigger craft has used it and it's it just looks amazing. So yeah. um, I think it was. I bought a I bought a panel from someone to start off with. I think it was I think it was Coastal actually that sold me my first panel of shell um, when, when they had it. Yeah, I was hooked since. Like, yeah, it's super expensive. It's but it's so amazing to work with. Yeah, I heard um, when I was talking to Lighthouse. I think it was Lighthouse. He was saying that some people like when with the Horine shell, they like the the Horine. Um, the stamp yeah the stamp and i think some some people were asking if they could stamp more so people could make more wallets with just the stamp but they they just do the one no i was talking to to one of the distributors and they they have an faq on their website and Hoin has a strict one stamp policy yeah which which is insane if you look at other tanneries like mayam for example they have on a regular shell they Put about 20 stamps on there it's mm-hmm. like it's insane it's the, that's way too many um but yeah people people buy the whole shell like the reverse kind of wallets because of the stamp mm-hmm. um so i i actually got two whole shells on the way at the moment so um probably with the stamp i make two like uh reversed wallets and the, the rest with the like normal normal side with the with the grand side yeah um yeah where do you where, where do you get Hawaiian Shell Cordovan from? So this this one I got from a distributor from China. So there's there's only wow. like, I don't know, five or six places yeah. that sell it. So there's Tannery Row in the in the US. They are like sort of like the main distributor. Then there's AA Crack in UK. Oh, yeah, AA Crack. And then there's this, um, this Chinese di- distributor. I think that like no like it's sort of like um a wholesaler almost. It sells to like bigger companies there. Um I I chose those guys because they had the lowest shipping fees. Yeah. Tannery Row wanted I think ninety US dollars for two shells. Um they're not big either. That's that's crazy. Exactly. I was like, oh, that's 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 a bit steep and then AA Craig wanted like hundred sixty bucks for one shell. I'm like Man, it was a bit too much for for this. So yeah, Chinese one was I think fifty bucks or so shipping. Yeah, nice, no, alright. Um, man. yeah, what's the difference between like the different shells? Because I've when I've looked into them, you have like the Japanese ones, the Italian ones, yeah, and like the like the Hori one. Like, is there a difference between the three? Like, you got the Tuscany one. I know that's the quite yeah. popular one. That that actually is so. If you look at the Rocado shells and the the Bobrikov Tatra shells, um, and compare them like to the like Shinki shell Cordovans the from from Japan, um, they're sort of like the 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 top finish is a bit. Um, the 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 Rocado, for example, is sort of like it feels a bit more waxy. So it's it like the, the tampa is a little bit softer. Is that the one from Coastal, the marble? Yes. Yeah. It is. It was like the, the biggest shell I ever seen. It was wow, like, that's actually quite big. 
that was like three square foot or something. It was like insane. Like I've never seen such a such a big shell. And then yeah, this is like a shinky shell. They're like they're a bit stiffer. Yeah. And um the the top finish feels less a little bit less it's a little bit less soft, if that if that makes any sense. Oh, a bit more like more of like a stiffer Yeah. Yeah. So it was actually quite interesting when, when I got these ones because they were like so different uh, different to what I was used to. Yeah. But I prefer the Shinki now, like the Japanese ones, because colors are just so rich and they it's just the, yeah. the colors are so even as well. It's just amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, because they're mainly used for outer pieces of wallets. The outer, they're not really used for lining. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you can, but that'd be probably overkill. Yeah. You have to, to skive it down so much, so... Yeah. Um, if I know a few people that, that do, like, shell code and wallets, like bifolds or something, they use usually Butero for the inside. Yeah, I've seen Pueblo for, like, and that looks, like, amazing, because it's, like, yeah. the two different contrasts of surfaces, like yeah. the shell as the outer, then the Pueblo for the inner, and it's just like, wow, that looks amazing. Yeah, it's it's definitely a nice contrast. Yeah, most most people just use Butero because it's the top finish. Depending on if you like, if you use like a Japanese one, top finish is relatively similar. Yeah, like there's not a huge contrast between the two, but mm-hmm. obviously Butero is much much thinner already from the get go. Yeah, how does it go with bending? Does it sort of with the finish, does it sort of crack a bit when you bend it, or is it sort of a... Yeah, so the, the Shinkies, they, I feel like they don't like to be bent. So yeah. I made a, I made a, one of the latest ones I made, like this, the flap wallet. Um, at the, like the top flap and the bottom where like bend it over, it started to be like, get a bit rough. Yeah. Um, just because the, the, the finish is so, so tight and everything. Yeah. The Rocado and the, the Tatra shells, you can bend them like, like crazy. Like no, no issues with that. Okay. That's the Italian one. Yeah. Okay. So are, are you going to make flat wallets with the Japanese stuff or are you going to just stick with more of ones that don't bend? I probably won't make another flat wallet out of the Shinky. That was a, like a customer request. Yeah. Um, to make it out of those colors, like it, it still works. I'm curious how it holds up over time. Yeah. Um, maybe I don't know. The angle was just too tight. Or I I don't know. But yeah. I would probably flat ball it out of the other shells. Yeah. I wonder what. Yeah. I have to know what the. I wonder what the hall wing does because some people like. Mm. I've seen people use it for like a. Do you know how they make the one wallet where they like fold the leather over. I think it's okay. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I have no idea what to expect from Halloween. Like, I know my expectations are incredibly high because it's been so hyped by everyone. It's like mm. Halloween's the best, and blah 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 blah. So, I hope I'm not disappointed. But yeah. I, I think I get it on Monday or Tuesday or so. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, so what colors do you order? Um, ultraviolets and a dark green. I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, how do you choose with colors? Because there's such a uh, there's so many options with colors. Yeah, it's like was like we've gone away from black, brown, and tan. <laughs> like you know, there's yeah, it's crazy. I, I I personally like to have sort of like a couple base colors, like mm-hmm. like your black, like a shade of brown, 
Um, I really like the the natural. Actually, got it here. Like the the natural shinky. Yeah, that's nice. Um, I like I like to have those, but then also like some some crazy colors. Like I've got this um, this orange one here. Yeah, that looks like, nice. You know, because you can you can just combine them with yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I uh, sort of like just buy them randomly what i feel like when yeah. when i feel like buying which is almost all the time <laughs> is a is it with with burnishing shell is it more people usually just leave it like they don't paint the edges they usually no. just leave them plain for most yeah okay how does it burnish oh mate like a dream <laughs> yeah like, it's one of the reasons why i like to use shell cordovan the most because um, you can really get those those edges to like a glass finish, glass almost almost yeah. like glass finish, um, with relatively little effort. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, actually, no, that's that's a lie. It's quite a lot of effort to to get those, especially when it comes to the sanding. Like, the sanding is the 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 thing that takes the most time. Probably, I don't know. On this shinky card holder, it's like three wallets, three pocket card holder. Just the sanding took me probably like 30, 40 minutes yeah. just to get edges like straight and like to like, like, yeah, really straight into the point where yeah. I like to use it. And then it's probably at least another 20, 30 minutes on top to finalize this. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your, yeah. yeah well, what is your tips for burnishing? Um, cause yeah, your edges are, are not <laughs> nice. Sanding. Like, yeah. Lots, lots of sanding is yeah. super important. Um, make sure in your patterns you have your patterns a lot have trim allowance so once you've assembled everything you can get a nice clean flush cut um one thing i'm still struggling with is having like an actual like straight flush cut um so like my 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 flush cuts are still always like a little bit angled Mm -hmm. which is super annoying so i haven't figured out a good way um to fix that issue yet so i have to sand them straight again um but then, yeah, lots lots of sanding. Don't go too wild on the grits. Like what I did in the beginning was I had um, sandpaper starting at 180 grits, all the way oh, to yeah. Yeah. all the way to like um, I think the highest one I had was 12,000 grit, which was like like um, you use it in like car polishing sort of like situation. Because yeah. someone told me, yeah, that's the way to go. That's how you get glossy edges. Um, but nowadays. I do. I only sand up until like two thousand grit, mm-hmm. like one go. That's that's once, and then I start with token oil canvas, and then I resand every every sort of like every um, cycle with like a four hundred to six hundred grit, depending on how the edges is, and that's it. You don't have to go too wild on that. Really? So you go from two thousand back to four to eight hundred? Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. Is it? I feel like, I feel like when when you when you do like. I don't know, you use your, your slicker or your canvas. Um, depending on, I don't know, sometimes I feel like the edge is, is not perfectly flat mm-hmm. and not, not perfectly clean. So there's like still like little like micro, I don't want to say cuts, but like micro grooves or anything, even after yeah. after using like the 2000 grips. So I usually like to like put tokenol and use a canvas cloth to like burnish it down to like to good, good, good shine to good gloss and then yeah you use like a 400 grit to then send over again and do this step again yeah um, i feel like that that 
works the best for me. Yeah. And it leaves edges that have basically no, you can't tell that you've sanded it. It's like, it's perfectly straight. There's no yeah. group or anything in it. Um, so you don't use beeswax at all? You just use token oil? Um, I use I use Columbus wax at the end. Oh, okay, yeah. Once I'm done with all the token oil and all the canvas, like the very last layers, yeah. the warm Columbus. I need to get some canvas. Like, <laughs> it's the one. No, you, you, you probably have it in your kitchen. Yeah, like, what, what, yeah. What do you what do you look for in a good canvas? Like, is it? I don't know. I just <laughs> use shopping bags. I cut them up and use the shopping bags. Oh, okay, that's a good idea. <laughs> like the recyclable ones. Yeah, like okay. those little linen canvas, whatever they oh, are. Okay, that's a good idea actually. Um, this, this, I mean, you probably have them lying around in your kitchen. Just yeah. cut them up. That's, yeah. that's all you need. Yeah, I know. Um, left foot leather. He uses he uses leather to burnish. Yeah, yeah. Um, which which I haven't haven't tried yet. Um, but that's sort of like one of his his um, secrets that he's using. Get those edges done. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just, just any leather. Um, I think so. Yeah, just whatever scrap you have lying around. Okay. I've I've got like heaps of knives and different different options to cut like a, a straight flush edge, yeah. but. Like even if I like if I use my scalpel or something, it's always like a slight angle in it. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. If I use, I bought like a crimson knife, crimson hides flush cut knife, which is meant to be exactly for that. I can't figure out how to use it. Um, so I, what what I did, I ordered a like a round head knife. Oh I've, yeah. I've heard they're really good to make flush cuts because you basically just you just roll it over. Yeah. So I'm waiting on that to arrive. Hopefully that's that's going to fix it because that's the only thing that's really, really annoying me. Yeah. How, um, I was going to ask you, uh, how, what, what do you use? Do you use a cork, like a ruler with cork underneath it? Yeah. yeah. Cause uh, metal rulers can like scratch your leather. Oh, yeah. That's what I had in the beginning. Like I ruined so many wallets. Yeah. Cause I had this like, just like straight up like metal, metal ruler from office works and just, yeah. Cut some leather. It's yeah. annoying. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you did a post recently about how Shellcord event is your what you want to specialize in. Yeah. Yeah, why is that? Just for me personally, it's it's the most exciting leather to work with um, because you, especially when you look at some some of the like the marbled finishes or um, like the new Shinky like Apollo one. Um, what I like about those shells is. No, no shell looks like the other. Like you always get unique patterns on on your leather, um, and the, the the colors are just so crazy vibrant, um, and it just feels it just feels high quality. Well, if you look at something like like a pueblo, for example, which which I've mainly used before that, um, it feels a bit too rugged for me. I sort of like want to tap a bit more into like the the luxury market. Um, and I feel like Pueblo, although it's like one of the best leathers out there, obviously, um, it just it, it doesn't really fit into how I see the dagger at the moment. So I just yeah, Shell Cordovan is this thing that gets me most excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to stick with that for now. Yeah, actually, I just had a thought as when you were speaking. So do you know how you mentioned about how you would like to do like the Horing wallet with a reverse, so like the horing yep. pointed outwards. I was just thinking, if you made a bifold wallet with that, <clears throat> you'd have the 
um, the grain side on the as the inside of the leather. What would you match with that leather then for the like pockets and all that? I would probably, I would probably use a uh, probably Butera. Okay, because yeah, because it'd be quite glossy the inside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I think I think that works. Like I'm I'm not a big bifold person, so yeah. um, it's sort of like my my Achilles heel. Like I I suck at making bifolds. Um, so I I need to get better at those. Um. <clears throat> But yeah, I feel like Butero always works. Yeah, okay. Sort of like, almost like the most neutral leather out there. Yeah, um, yeah. It just adds to everything. And the good thing about them is that I feel like the most consistent tannery. Like, I've, I've had so many, like, different Buteros and, like, from different, like, places all around the world. And if you get a blue Butero, it always is a blue Butero. Like, there's yeah. never any, like, difference. You can, like, mix and match different heights. Yeah, which it's, is, kind of, which is kind of, it's kind of like what you think leather should look like is what Batero yeah. is. Yeah, exactly. That's, like, that's, that's, yeah. And like in the most like normal colors as well. Like you can have yeah, sort yeah. of such a range to deal with. This, yeah, so. You yeah, actually like that. Yes, yeah, the neutral leather pretty much to go from, start off with. Do you feel that, because like, it's such a little um, hide, I guess you would call it. It's quite restrictive, so you can't make like a bag yeah. with it or a. Uh... Do you? Yeah. Know, have you thought about? I don't know. Like, I imagine you would have thought about that, but sort of, how's your? Yeah. How do you? Because it's such an exquisite item to use. Yeah. Um. um it, it definitely is restrictive in terms of what you can make, but then again, it's also not if you have enough money. Like this is uh, this is one crafter from Japan, I think. Um, I think called Atelier Lemon and Lime or something. They also exclusively use Shell Cordovan. And they recently made a tote bag out of Shell Cordovan. Yeah, which is which they, they charge I think six grand for it. And um What's the sorry, what's the what's the name of it? I think it's let me let me double check. Atelier Lemon and Lime. Yeah. Atelier Lemon Lime. And um, yeah, they shop Cordovan all the way as well. And I think they said they used about six shells on this tote bag. And um, yeah, if you look at wow. a Halloween shell of like three hundred bucks on average, <laughs> it's quite a lot of material. It looks amazing and it's insane. I hope they have a market for that because that that's awesome. If they can actually sell us like kind of tote bags and everything. Yeah, I wonder what it's lined with. It wouldn't be lined, I assume. Nah, no, oh, no. Nah. Yeah, even their little bucket bag. Yeah, but right. that's like three hall hallways right there. Exactly. Even even down to the like their their pricking iron tool bag holder. That's shell cordovan. Like they take it up a notch. That's crazy. And next level. Wow. Absolute beautiful stuff. Yeah. But then again, apparently there's also a couple of issues with Shell Cordovan. It's, it's not as like tear resistant when you stitch through it. So um, when I shared this on one of, yeah, on, on the Discord, 
someone was like, ah, oh, it's probably going to rip on the on the straps because um, it won't last as long. But yeah, I don't know. I haven't had any issues. But the, the straps are quite thick, though. I know. So I I don't know. I haven't I haven't tried it yet. So wow. Guess we'll see. Japanese always just like you know <laughs> just step it up a notch, you know. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. Were, were they use exclusively Halloween as well? No, I've seen them use Shinky as well. Okay. Halloween Shinky. Lida Ogawa, the other one. Yeah. Yeah, buying yes, buying such exclusive leather. Yeah. Um, don't know how to word this question actually. I guess it, I, it is. It is a gamble. Yeah. Yes. Hundred percent. And um, I'm not at a point where I'm making actually making money from it. Like for me, it's it. Yeah, I, I don't make any real money from the leather crafting. Like even if I sell a wallet, um, the I invest more than I actually make with it. But it's sort of like when I took a break earlier in the year, um, I sort of like I got to a point where it it felt a little bit like work, and um, I started to be be less and less passionate about leather craft. So. Mm-hmm. Um, when the new year rolled around, I decided to just like take a month break, just like not anything related, just like reset mentally and everything. Um, because it was just, I had a couple like wholesale orders and everything. It was just like, it started to feel like a production line, like just a production house. Um, and I started this as a hobby and I sort of like, at some point I thought, oh, maybe this could eventually down the track become like a full-time thing. But then when it actually got so busy that like I, I work full-time as well, right? So I can only do leather craft like after work on the weekends. So if you have a few orders like stacking up, it just um, it just gets quite stressful. So yeah, I made a decision to like sort of like scale it back to a hobby again. And since I made this like decision mentally, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just buying all these shells for myself because I want to work with them as a hobby. And if I sell some of it, that's cool. Um, so I'm not, I'm not trying to push selling wallets or anything. I'm, I'm just really in it for, for making wallets crafting. And then if I sell something, that's an added bonus, yeah. but that's not my main goal anymore. Yeah. Would you, would you want to go full time with it or you just want to? Probably not. No. Okay. I like, I like, the, the craft and the amount of time I can spend on a wallet, like like a, a simple card holder, like if I really take my time, it takes me half a day if I yeah. want to. Um, but if you if you want to sell it for a profit, that's obviously not sustainable. Yeah. So I don't want to for myself. I don't want to cut corners on like I don't know introducing a sewing machine and doing like ten minute burnishing edges and you know not being hundred percent satisfied with the with the products that I'm crafting and I'm delivering. So I don't think full time would be something for me and I don't think I'd be good at it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair enough. It's it's a good um like a good mindset as well when you change the uh Yeah, because it it, it is such a um like you said, it is a craft and 
I don't know, like, because so, some people don't get it as well. Like, when you're hand-stitching an item and you want, yeah. like, you know, you're trying to make a profit from it, people are just like, why are you, like, why are you charging me such a... But I think that's what you said originally where, you know, with YouTube and videos and that sort of stuff, people see how it's made, they understand mm-hmm. it, and they choose. Whereas if you're just making, like, making something blindly for someone, they just think, oh, he's ripping me off, selling like, selling, you know, $300, but... Exactly. Yeah, it's, um... Like I had, I had that issue when when I did my one market. I had probably like three or four people rock up to my stall and look at look at the wallets and then look at the price, which was I would say low. Like it was a card holder, like a three pocket for like less than fifty bucks, you know. Um, but they still were like, "Oh, that's a bit expensive, isn't it?" I'm like, oh. "What do you mean?" It's like. That probably took me like two hours to make the materials mm. like um high quality version from like from Italy, like this I lose money if I sell this to you at this price already. Yeah. Um people just don't get in. And that was also a point where I'm like, uh, it's not fun. And I don't wanna yeah, undersell my time and everything and the materials and everything that goes into it. So mm. that, that would have been my number one advice if if someone if you would have asked me if I had any tips for markets, like make sure you have something because a lot of people don't want to interact with you. Like you yeah. can be as friendly as you want, as chatty as you want on the market, but some people, they just want to browse a little bit, want to have a look and they don't want to get like a sales pitch from you every time. Mm. So I actually, when I had my market, there was like just like across from me, there was, a, there was another um, couple. They sold wallets as well, but they had like, they had one very unique design of a wallet so it was sort of like the the entire product was just one particular wallet um but what they did they had like um like laser engraved like wooden planks all across like their, their table really explaining everything like the design they were like a, an architect couple so they, they knew exactly how to sell stuff yeah. like this and the stall just looked beautiful but they sold stuff because people just rocked up they read what, what was on the table and then they decided oh hey actually that's that's really cool so i want to buy it while i on the other side i was just there i was just like talking and sales pitching to people i'm yeah it's from italy and this is good stuff and this is good stuff like you should buy it um and just didn't work yeah 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 i did notice that as well when i was actually browsing at this market because you know you you see the stall person there and they're just like waiting for you to walk up and it's like oh no i just want to like look that's also a good thing just like make sure you look busy don't don't just stand around and wait for people because then you're not approachable because people like, like you just said, they exp- like, it feels like you're waiting for someone to talk to and like throw everything at them. Mm. But if you're stitching, if you're, I don't know, redecorating the stall, people are more inclined to walk up because they can just have a look and move on without you noticing. So, yeah. Yeah. So your tips for photography and branding. So your, yeah. your, your, your Instagram page is actually quite is quite impressive, like how your photos are taken, and like the packaging that you've recently um, you're doing. Yeah. What tips? Because Instagram's more of like a branding platform. Yeah. What What tips would you give for us? Let the us non. I, mean, I guess you have because you have that graphic design background you sort of yeah. know how to brand an item um, yeah yeah what tips would you give um 
I I would say try to, and you, you can obviously see it in my my photos and everything. Like keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the 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 best thing is to come up with a system where you can take good photos quickly and easily. Like the the whole like taking a photo and editing and getting it up on Instagram from like from finishing the wallet to like having it up on on instagram takes me about 30 minutes yeah um just because i've like set up everything that is like i just need to pull out a light i've got my camera set up um and i kind of know what i'm doing like in the beginning if you if you scroll back like a couple months even um you 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 see a couple photos where i start to like address the scene a little bit have some lights in there some props in there and it's sort of like I mean, and that's a personal thing for me personally. This is this gets a bit stressful because <laughs> then you're sort of like trying to, okay, I've I had this prop in yesterday's photo. Like, what am I gonna do today? Like, how creative can I push those photos? Yeah. So what I at some point just decided I want to have the the product itself be the focus, and that's why I went with these like dark and moody. Like, occasionally throw like a light background in there, but um, overall I keep it very very simple. Unless let just do the wallet. Let let do the wallet. Wait, the wallet does the talking. Yeah. Um, or the product does the talking, without any distractions. Um, and then yeah, also like, sort of like figuring out who you are and who you want to be as a brand, and then stick with it for at least a couple of weeks. Like you see so many, so many people on Instagram that. Um, where the the photos look, every photo looks different. You know, there's like nothing that that like connects them together. There's like no consistencies in the photography or anything because um, some people feel like they have to outdo them on every photo, outdo themselves on every photo, and be more creative than the photo before. Um, and it that that works for some. There's definitely a few people out there where every time I see one of the photos, I'm like, how did you do this? How how's you, how does your brain work? to come up with um but for me it's keep keep it simple mm-hmm. that's that's the number one thing and advice i would give and find yeah. who you are find your brand personality yeah yeah i like that do you, do you just use like a black card with like a led light is that what yeah yeah so yeah i've got some like office works black card so i've got one I actually do it here on my my work office desk. So I just put like one card down on the on the table, and then I have one that stands up in the background. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have one of those LED video tubes, tube lights. So there's a couple options. Um, but when I started out, I bought like I was recommended one of the like most expensive ones, um, sort of like they're called like a Nanlite Pabo tube, they're like 400 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Absolute overkill. Um, but I didn't know better at the time. So recently I bought a, a similar one, which is like a young Nuo YN360 or something. And they're like less than half the price, but that's exactly the same. And the way mine's set up is just this one light sort of like across the, the wallet and then just take the photo and play around with it, with different angles. Yeah. Like incredibly simple setup. I, I like this picture, this one, the uh, MacBook sleeve that you made. Yeah. Uh, that's from what, what kind of leather is that? That's quite nice. It's... That's actually gaucho oil. Yeah, what's gaucho oil? From um, belts. Yeah. 
I don't know what tannery it is. Uh, Concilia La Britannia. Yeah. yeah. I would say it's like, have you ever used um, the Wicked and Crack traditional harness, Buck Brown? No, I have. I've used their their bridle leather, but I haven't used their yeah. harness before. Their, their harness is like, it's amazing leather. It's like very subtle, very nice to the touch. Mm-hmm. I would say the gaucho is like a step up to that. Okay. Like if, if I was if I was to do like more top bags again or more bigger items like this, I would, that would be my number one go-to leather. Yeah. Yeah. How did you find like, cause I, yeah, how did you find all this sort of leather to, to use? Um, I don't know. It's like people, people start ordering. And then if you're like on a couple like discord groups or Instagram chats, people are like, Oh, I've just got this leather in and this is blah, blah. just recommendations from other people mainly. Yeah. I think okay. that's, that's how you have to do it. If you, if you try to, I know there's some people out there that go out and like source leather themselves and like read up everything on it. Like, like more exclusive, like out of the box leathers. Yeah. Okay. Instead of like, I feel like there's over the last 12 months, there's always been like some like waves in terms of what leather everyone's using. So started with, with Pueblo and then Butero and then Maya came around and then like, you know, all these like different type of leathers that everybody jumps on. The, and I think, yeah, he, he sort of like, oh. yeah, exactly. But yeah. Yeah. I'm actually looking at that gacho oil. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because that's a good. That's one of the things I've liked about this podcast is that it's sort of you hear about what other people use, and because like, I would never ever thought these types of leather. So how does that work? Just so is it what like a, is it like a butter room, but a bit no, no, it's it's more waxy. It's more okay. Um, hmm. So for yeah, example, I, I think that if you're the, the closest. The closest one would be like a yeah, Wiccan and Cred harness. Actually, like like my tote bags, they're sort of like a mix of like leather and canvas. Yeah, I like yeah, I like your tote bags. It's a uh... so you hand stitch that canvas in. Yeah. Do you? I just treat it like leather. Do you have to fold the edge of the canvas over so it doesn't fray? Um, no, I haven't. I hope it doesn't fray. <laughs> So far, okay. Uh, so far, I haven't done any compliance. So, okay, <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah, I do like the the combination. When I was talking to Claridge, like the, there's actually he he sent me a, he told me about someone who actually does a combination between canvas and leather and makes like bags mm. with it, and it looks gorgeous, like a tan canvas with like brown leather. The contrast is just really nice. Works so well together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like World War Two equipment because a lot of their equipment, like yeah. the American stuff, was canvas, like canvas, yeah. the webbings and the bags, and that they would wear. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like very, it's very rugged. Sort yeah, of like aesthetic. yeah. Just which, um, yeah, it's a bit like very outdoorsy, like a yeah. backpack and all that. Um, so actually, who did your packaging? Because your packaging is quite nice. Your new. Um, I, I I did everything. Sort of like, I went to. So we have a like a little gift shop store here in in Sydney. 
and they just sell, sell like boxes and like I don't know, like fake flowers, and they they focus like mainly on wedding, wedding, wedding events and such. Um, went there the other day, um, recommendation from Mitch, um, and they had these like magnetic boxes there. So I was like, oh, that looks cool. I'll just give it a go- give it a go because I always wanted to have like rigid magnetic boxes, but yeah. I could never find them. Um, like at an affordable rate um so it was always hard to find and the right size as well so they're they're still i wish they were a little bit less high they're a bit too high still for for let's say one wallet it's a bit overkill um but but they're still very nice and then yeah just with my with, with my hot foil machine and put my logo on it um then i bought some what's it called a kaizen foam which you normally use in like toolboxes. Yeah. Um, because that's I bought a couple of different foams. So I bought like regular foam from like Clark Rubber before. Um, because I like I wanted to cut it out, put the wallet in so it looks nice, but it's it's like no way to get that nice and clean. So then I went down on a, another YouTube rabbit hole and they found this um, Kaizen foam, which the way it works is like different layers. So then you just cut into the layer and you can peel layer by layer. Oh, that's good, yeah. um, It's actually, it's relatively easy to do. Like, it's still not 100% clean the way I would like it to look, but it's much better than the way before. Yeah. And then, yeah, chuck chuck the wallet in there, some tissue paper, and I did some, some, uh, printed some postcards at at Officeworks um, so I can, like, write a little note, have some care instructions on it. Off you go. Yeah, that look, it looks really nice. I, I like, it. and that hot foil press. I'd love to be able to get one in the future. They're just amazing. I bet cheapest cheap cheapest chips these days. Really? Like the one I bought. Yeah, two hundred bucks on eBay. They're not crazy. Okay. <laughs> you, so they're like. You can yeah. use you can use brass for the you can use a brass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've got this. It's like regular brass stems, you know. Probably everyone has. Yeah. So like nothing too wild. Yeah. They just work. My my actually my very first stem was made out of um like laser cuts, like some sort of acrylic plastic something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, that Dayson or something, Dezen, I don't know, some plastic, which was which worked quite well for for the first like almost a year until I got the hot foil machine. Yeah. Oh, you can't show what the hot foil machine looks like. Oh, just send me a picture because yeah, I don't know what. It's just like the. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. You could pick them up that cheap. Yeah, it's just eBay. Like half half my half my business is like from eBay. Like half <laughs> half of the stuff I've got. Like Arbor Press hot foil machine. Yeah, they're even cheaper now. One hundred eighty bucks. Wow. Um, so how did you grow your brand? Cause you got two thousand nine hundred followers, and you started out last year. Yeah. Um, it's a yeah. good question. Um, <laughs> it's a very good question. Um, I would, I would like to figure out how how that happened. Um, I didn't do anything special. I think um, I did play around with like a little bit of like Instagram ads and Facebook ads. Oh um, yeah. Put put a little bit of money in there, but um, it wasn't really like very successful. I played around with like growing it hashtags, um, you know, just getting people onto my page. Um, 
but nothing really seemed to work and it's been quite stagnant over the past few months so it's really getting to these like 2900 has been has has taken quite a while um giveaways always work obviously because you know give away something people have to follow you you know that that always helps but then after giveaway you normally like i don't know at least like 25 percent of people that follow you just like immediately drop off or most of the accounts depending on um the industry you target sort of like i feel like i'm targeting more like other leather crafters these days it's really hard to get to like average joe with with my stuff these days and i i don't know how to fix that how to how to approach like um regular customers again um but yeah when i did in the beginning i had a few giveaways there was like so many spam bots and so many like people that just have an instagram account to do giveaways um so the the growth of your instagram is not even like organic so people people just drop off immediately after giveaway and it's not really like real customers or real users. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. You just like the, 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 the one rule is sort of like make sure you, you post as much as possible, post daily, ideally um, try to use a location on your posts and on your stories that helps a lot. Um, and also like find the right hashtags for yeah. your like niche. Mm-hmm. um that definitely helps but uh instagram is kind of dead a little bit so yeah. alas this is i'll probably i'll combine these questions together the what's your have you how have you found the leathercraft community and specifically the australian leathercraft community <laughs> <laughs> um i i think it's an awesome community like um I feel like everyone is incredibly helpful. Like I've, I haven't come across many people that were um, sort of like, I don't know, not open to helping anyone if or answering questions. Like there were a couple, but not, not many. Um, but overall, I had a very good experience with this like overall leather crafting community worldwide. And then Australian one as well. Like we've got some, we've got some awesome people here. Obviously you have like, the very top of the line you have your martin caswell right who's like this genuinely nice guy but also creates amazing stuff if, um i was thinking like if we, if there was like a world leather craft tournament where like each country had to send their one leather crafter off to us uh, like send it'd martin be him. <laughs> it'd be a hundred and him he'd, he'd, he'd um, get close definitely get close to the title yeah hundred um but yeah, overall, like especially once we started to set up the, um, I, I felt in the beginning there was a lot of, or at least it felt like there was a lot of competition um, here. I mean, obviously, in a way, there still is a lot of competition. Like you have, like similar to me, like so many people started Leathercraft almost ex- exactly at the same time, um, targeting the same markets to, to sell. Um, so in the beginning, it was like, at least I was a bit hesitant to reach out to other people because I was like, oh, can't give away any of your secrets because then they make more money than you do. And, you know, um, but then once we started to like actually engage, or, like all of us engaged a little bit more with each other, like setting up the Instagram group, setting up like the Discord. I think we've got, um, I think we've built a 
quite the nice little community here yeah. in, in Australia with other crafters. And I think it's has nothing to do with like community uh, competition anymore. Um, there's so many people I refer to like other crafters because I'm like, it's not really like a product that I'm making or I don't have the time. So I just like, you know, um, for Lighthouse, for example, he took over like a retail spot for me because I didn't want to do it anymore. So he's like, has this like little shop thing in, in Newtown in Sydney now. Um, but you know, it's like community now and just quite cool. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm not really a big user on discord. Actually, actually that's actually how I got into the, the group chat was through the podcast. Actually, I think it was from Aaron that got me mm-hmm. into the Instagram group chat that sort of got me onto the, uh, he just got banned yesterday for 24 hours because he's commenting too much on giveaways. Did he? Like he left on the on the last giveaway that I had, he left I think it was eight hundred forty comments. Um just to like in tagging people and yeah. to win this wallet. Like, I mean he won it, obviously. Did he? But yeah. I had two th- well yeah, it was about two thousand comments in total. Two two thousand entries, whatever. Um and yeah, eight hundred were his and it was just like the odds were really in his favor. <laughs> Just, and now he's been banned because he's doing it too much <laughs> don't you have because with those giveaways don't you put like you go on this thing on the internet and then it puts everyone into the draw and then it picks someone yeah but the the way the way mine worked was like every comment is one entry so it counts towards your entry oh, okay yeah and then if you if you share my post or my story or whatever it gives you another five entries so he had like 800 30 like comments and then because of like the sharing he shared it almost every day so he made another like i don't know 50 entries on top of that so yeah um uh, what's the next one um yeah so what's that discord group like because uh because it's because i feel like us because i'm down in like adelaide most yeah. of you guys are on the east coast and it's like we feel left out because it's like most of all you guys are on the east coast yeah, 18 New South Wales. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's a really good place to, like, get feedback on your work, get some, like, share some knowledge, do, like, the group buys usually go through there. Um, and, yeah, no, I think it's – I just think it's really it's really fun mm-hmm. to have it. I think it's a good good idea that we set it up. Yeah. Overall, I think it's a it's – a, that's what I mean. It's a it's a nice little community that we set up here, um, and it's really been fun part of it. And I think yeah, we're sort of like looking at doing a couple like meetups soon, like God for beer or something, like hang around. Especially like the people that like Sydney or live close to Sydney, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, no, it's good stuff. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite item to make? Have you made built? Have you made a built? I've no, I've not made a built yet. I don't know. I, I really like I really like the the simple three card three pocket card holders. Yeah, yeah. I just really enjoy stuff that I like projects that I can because of my limited time. I like the ones that I can f- start and finish. Yeah, when I have the time, like I. I can't have a big project like, you know, like Martin had who has a, like who's making a bag and it takes him like three weeks to make. 
Um, it would drive me insane because I don't have the attention span to do that. Yeah. Um, so like smaller, I like smaller items. Like the wallets need yeah. to get in rifles. Need to get better at those. But overall, like small goods, are what I like. Um, and everything else, like the top bags were fun, but they just take so much time to like to stitch, hand stitch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Overall, I like stuff. Like I said, I, that I can finish, start and finish in a day. Yeah. Do you like uh, vertical bifolds or horizontal ones? I think the ones I made so far, well, actually, no, I made vertical and horizontal ones. Yeah. I think there's a, I think the horizontal ones are sort of like a bit more, more classy, mm-hmm. a bit more, more traditional. Um, the vertical ones, yeah, I made a couple of those. Yeah. But yeah, but don't really have a preference to be honest. Yeah, um, I suck at both. <laughs> if you buy a pattern or something, you might be able to, um, might help you. Yeah, I don't. So that that's the thing I don't like. I I don't like buying patterns. Um, because only I think I only ever bought one pattern, which was for, um, as a starting base for one of my glasses cases, because I like. Sometimes I get a bit flustered when there's like, you know, having folding something and like getting the right shape to have it at yeah. the right shape. So, um, sometimes I look at some of the patterns where I'm like, okay, if I, I want to have like a certain shape when it's when it's all folded and in like you know been put together, um, and sometimes I feel like it's easier if you just look at a pattern where like, oh, okay. So in order to get the shape when it's all closed, I need to have a pattern that's sort of like round at the bottom, has like these cut-ins and goes out again. Um, so in the beginning, I I looked at cup, a couple of those, but nowadays I'm because of my job, I'm like relatively um, proficient in like Illustrator and stuff. So yeah, putting together a pattern is not a doesn't take a lot of time for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, and wallets anyway. Yeah. So, no crazy stuff. Uh, what's your what's a future art project you'd want to make? Hmm, that's a good question. I think I would like to make like a really nice sort of like high quality luxury like clutch or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, out, of, out of show. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's expensive. I don't think I'm I'm ready yet yeah. to, to do that. Um, but yes, something like this. I I want to see how far I can get with this whole shell cordovan stuff. Yeah. Actually, how um how do you glue the like a piece onto the grain? Do you have to scratch it right up? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I don't I don't know if you have to, but I just do it out of because I've always done it. I always um scratched the the yeah. top grain. Yeah. Um, it just makes sense. But I'm also I'm using um, the Eco Stick, which is just like it's just amazing stuff. It just sticks to everything. Mm-hmm. So never had an issue with any of that yet. Okay. So now it doesn't peel off the. Uh... No. Not yet. No. No. That is, that's Italian stuff, isn't it? Eco Stick. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. It's the stuff that you need to like. You apply on both sides, and then you need to let it dry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that which a is water-based one? Yeah, it is. Okay. 
Which is, I like that because I, I used the, um, the one that Coastal sells is the Saiwa. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. And it's, it's good, but I don't like that it's, you apply it when, while it's still wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so many times I just had a messy edge because you use it, apply too much and then you apply too much pressure, pressure and every, like everything just spills out. Yeah. But with the eco stick, it only, and it dries like super quickly as well. So you just give it a sec, let it dry. And you can even, if you're, I don't know, if you think about a market or so, like you, you want to prepare like a whole bunch of wallets or something, mm-hmm. you can even like glue them all up the day before because it's, it's active for like 72 hours. And um, if it dries out too much, you can just like use a hairdryer to, to heat it up a little bit again and activate mm-hmm. it yeah. and just stick it all together. It's quite nice. Is there many fumes with it? Nothing. No. Okay. It smells like nothing. Okay. Because yeah, I've had like I've had trouble with glue. Like I've had um, like I've used uh, what's it called? Aquilium three one five. Like struggled with that. I heard about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Used the C word as well. Struggled with that as well. Yeah. Um, okay, I might give eco eco stick a try because. Because the one I use, it sort of it does peel away sometimes, like if it's not fully set. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. There's that leather cement by Phoebe's. Yeah, never tried that. Yeah, I haven't used it either. Eco stick. Um. So, how has leather? I, this sounds so. It sounds so. How has leathercraft changed your life? Um, I mean, poor, that's a, it's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it just helped me to get through this whole, like through this whole COVID situation, um, mm. more easily because, you know, I've, I've been with my job, I've been working from home for the past, yeah, year and a half, over a year and a half. So I haven't been to my, back to my office and everything. And um, before Leathercraft, sort of like one of my hobbies was just like gaming. Um, but then if you work from home, you're, you're sitting in your office, but then you also play games in your office. There's sort of like there was never like a clear clear distinction between work and fun anymore. Mm-hmm. So after a few months, it was just like, okay, I finished finished work. And now I, I don't know, turn on my computer and start playing games, you know, without like having like like changing anything in your surroundings so um the leather leather crafting stuff definitely helped keep me sane but also creative in a different way Mm -hmm. um like doing creative stuff that is like not in front of a computer working with your hands just like taking your mind off this like whole digital stuff so yeah um it it just helped to get through this covid stuff and now it's been it's been more than just a hobby like i I really enjoy doing this it's passion like invested so much money in it um i love doing it it's fun yeah how do you not get consumed in leather work <laughs> like because you said you had to take that month off yeah i don't i don't blame you for yeah i suppose the the issue was that before i took the break it all it all started i had this mental mental mindset where i was like okay i'm gonna take this to full time i'm gonna make this my sole income i'm gonna hustle as hard as i can to to make that happen so i can 
I don't know, potentially like reduce my hours to my normal day job and just start doing this. And over time in a couple of years, maybe I'm a full-time leather crafter. Um, but then with like, obviously like working full-time and then doing this and having to fulfill orders, it was just a bit hard. So um, it was literally for me, the turning point was when, when I received like two requests for like wholesale orders. And I looked at how, how much money I would make out of this order versus how much time I would have to spend to make this and realized uh, it's actually not really worth it um, because you wouldn't make a lot of money. Like wholesale doesn't really make sense in, in our business, I, I feel like, unless you have a setup where you have a stitching machine, you have like clicker dies and, you know, can really pump pump out stuff really quick. Um, so, yeah, that, that was for me the point where I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to take a break. I need to look at this stuff again have a think about what I want to do. Um, but it, it was hard to get out of this and really took an sort of like outside trigger to, to do that and take a break. Yeah. Um, what was the, what was the wholesale for? Uh, there was like two, two shops that asked me to sell my, my wallets in their shops. Oh yeah. Shell quarter van ones. Oh no, that was before the shell quarter. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. It was still like the Pueblo stuff, mm-hmm. which was sold way too cheap anyway. <laughs> And then you take take away like forty percent of uh, well, yeah, forty percent of of whatever you sell it for. It's it just wasn't worth it. Like the stress was way too high to to get this stuff done. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you didn't do it at all. The no, I didn't. I didn't. I, I passed. Same. The, like one of them, I passed on to Lighthouse. So he's yeah. he's doing that now. And the other one, I think. Um, passed on to crown and anchor i don't know if they had a chat like that wholesaler with crown and anchor but yeah i just passed it on to someone else who was interested yeah okay well that's all the questions done on that one um you got the two questions actually you actually got another question that came in from a leather collective from dylan oh no so we'll go with the first one from lighthouse leather co so he asked what pushes you to be a better craftsman um i well it sounds dumb but like social media definitely helps like seeing especially like you know the the japanese and the korean crafters who like are just like out of this world at this craft um and for me i like I like to try to compare myself to them and get to that sort of like level and get the craft to that kind of level. Um, and I just want to create amazing, amazing luxurious products where if someone looks at it or touches it, they just like, I just want to create something that, that feels, feels expensive yeah. and feels like someone spent a lot of time doing that. Um, yeah. So you're that makes in, sense. Yeah, so you're inspired by the like the more Japanese work. Yeah, yeah. slowly starting to get more more inspired by by those guys. Like yeah. when I started with more the like a bit more rugged, but mm-hmm. recently it's been more like yeah, the Japanese Korean crafters that are just like <sighs> crazy. Yeah, they they make some beautiful oh. beautiful work. There, there's actually a one that I do follow. He, uh, what's his name? He is, it's called like Unbroken, un, Unblown Made. Yeah. And he made like a, 
a briefcase that looked like, I was like, that actually looks quite simple to make, but it looks quite, it's just like a square. Wait. Yeah. I was like, that's actually yeah, quite it's, nice. There's so many, so many designs coming, coming out of this region where you look at it, oh, this is, the design itself is so simple, but it's so elegant and, it just for works. some reason, it just yeah, works. and for some reason they 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 managed to get this like the finishing to like a next level. Yeah, um, this like sometimes there's nothing special about it, but it's just like because everything's like spot on, like the stitching is perfect, like the edges are perfect, corners, yeah. Just like you just just like the whole exactly. piece is just like beautiful. Like all their stuff is just it's just done to exactly. a T. Would that be pigskin? On the lining, like probably. Yeah, it's just phenomenal what they can do. Yeah, are, are you also following um Stephen W? Yeah, yeah, I follow his his stuff. So not he does teaching as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, because he oh, does. I'd, he... I'd, love to, I'd love to spend a day with him, man. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I what he's done. He's actually done this money clip in Shinky. You see, look, I, I've got exactly the same leather here. Exactly, I've got the same the same shinky shell. I've got it right here, but my stuff would never look like this, and I don't know exactly why it is. Like you know, it's just like, ugh. Just like how they can match the color with like I would never have thought that that th- like to use that thread for that color yeah. for a blue. It's like <laughs> they just like they just make it work. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's just yeah. even like a like a just like the envelope, like it's just so simple. Yeah, but it just well, works. Also, um, have you seen the, the wild wild swans? Swans. It's an, I think they're Japanese as well. Um, wild swans official. They also have some amazing stuff, like uh, simple. So, what, actually, what color is that? Shinky? Is that a or oh, cognac? That's the color. Yeah, con cognac, whiskey, like dark brown sort of. Yeah, and he's used butterroy as the interior for one of them. Yeah. So the last question is, uh, so from the Leather Collective, he says, um, well, I just he says, ask him about why he felt like transitioning to more refined goods. Um. Yeah, I, I. That's sort of like what I wanted to do from the beginning, but I felt like when I started out leathercraft, I I didn't feel like my skills were at a point, like the skills of my craft were at a point where I could actually, um, make this quality of of th- those get to those qualities, um, because I feel like if you're if you if you're a bit more rugged, you can get away with like like inconsistent stitching yeah. or like edges not being 100% perfect. So um, I think that's that's where I was trying to market myself in the beginning. But then now I'm relatively confident with like some of my skills, not all of them, but still like heaps to improve. Um, but I just enjoy the, the finer things, things of life and being able to like craft something luxurious and beautiful, like, and that goes back to like being inspired by the Japanese Korean crafters. Um, they are all like very luxurious and very high quality. Yeah. Um, 
I think I enjoy that and I like spending time on details like my edges like I spend hour and hour and a half on it mm-hmm. and it's, that's why I really enjoy it um yeah I think that's it's just more enjoyable for me yeah what 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 would you like to like improve on actually what would you learn what would you like to learn I'm really bad at skiving like my skiving is really really awful um so I usually try to avoid skiving if I if I can so I don't know I've got I recently bought a couple of buteros and I bought them I, I doubled up so I bought a couple of like panels like two square feet of like uh 1.2 mil I think and then also like the same color and the same panel but in like 0.6 mil so I don't have to skype down like pockets or something I just use the thinner leather um because I'm I'm not very very confident um yeah and then like some of my stitching is still not perfect still not where where I'd like it to be um and overall sometimes like you get a or I I at least like I don't know if you look at this one for example just like for some reason I missed like half half a stitch so I don't know if you can see it oh yeah there's like a little bit of gap for some reason it was just like not being like 100% concentrating of what I'm doing so I missed like one one stitch so those sort of things yeah all the things all the things that like customers probably wouldn't notice (laughs) yeah exactly like yeah those, those sort of things um like all these like like more luxurious um skills you need to have like even though i love my like burnished edges i do want to get good at like painting edges like having i think because right now i'm because i'm sort of like focusing on burnishing i'm a little bit restricted on what leathers i use like even though i want to exclusively use um shell cordovan but for example if i get like crocodile alligator whatever um you need to start looking into like edge painting or if you get some like goat skin those sort of things because mm-hmm. they just don't damage as well um yeah goat skin yeah so yeah edge painting that's those a, sort of things that's actually one of the good things about calf leather is that you can actually burnish calf leather mm-hmm. so uh yeah, yeah like goat skin pig skin you sort of need i don't think you can really burnish those ones yeah I had the um the gold the Sully from Alran before. Mm-hmm. That's just okay-ish. It's not it's not perfect. It's not like a batch ten, yeah. um, but it it is it is possible with elbow grease. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I like what you said about um with the more outdoorsy stuff. Like you sort of can get away with, you know, some of the stitching to be, um. Uh, yeah, because it's that, that more rustic look and, like, you know, unburnished edges and all that sort of stuff. But um, Yeah, and that, I mean, that particular target audience, they buy it because of that. Because yeah, exactly. It's not yeah. Per- yeah. Uh, well, if you, if you go down the luxury route, like, everything needs to be perfect. Like, stitching, everything needs to be spot on mm. to, to justify the prices you're charging. Yeah, yeah. So, thanks, Mark, for coming on. I um, appreciate it. Thanks, man.